It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with, with Brett Ruff. Got it! Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11-yard touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are Welcome to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy. We are staying on top of all the last-minute deals at the NBA trade deadline. A couple of them involving the Indiana Pacers, and we'll tell you who's coming, who's going. On today's show, also on the way, we'll talk to Snyder Girls basketball coach Reggie Tharp in his first year after taking over for Akilah Sims. Reggie Tharp has the Snyder Lady Panthers in a regional, playing for a regional championship. Coming up this Saturday, they will take on the uh, Lafayette Harrison squad. Uh, and uh, and I think Snyder should be favored. Snyder has, uh, what have they won, like uh, 18 out of their last 19 or something like that. So we'll talk to Reggie Tharp about his Snyder Lady Panthers coming up about 15 minutes. Also this hour, we'll talk to Greg Rakestraw. From uh, not only the IHSAA Champions Network, but Colts pregame, postgame host. I guess postgame host, more appropriately. I don't think he does pregame, but uh, he's also the voice of the ISC Sports Network. Greg Rakestraw will be jumping on 30 minutes down the road. And coming up in hour number two, all the latest of what's happening with the Indiana Pacers with Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. We are glad to have you with us today. 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Let's get right into it. Some of the latest that's happening with the NBA trade deadline. Of course, the big one, which was the shocker in the wee hours last night, Kevin Durant going to the Phoenix Suns. The Brooklyn Nets decided it's over. They're going to rebuild that roster. And after Kyrie Irving was sent packing to Dallas, you have Kevin Durant on his way to Phoenix, where now you have a big three, almost a big four in Phoenix. You know, DeAndre Ayton, uh, it's kind of disrespectful to not include him with what he's capable of doing, but you've got Chris Paul, uh, you've got um, uh, Kevin Durant. Who else they got? Well, you've got a you've got a lineup that's looking like you're going to have Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, there's the big four. I think Booker was the one I forgot. Uh, so yeah, Booker, Paul, Durant, and DeAndre Ayton. And it's like plug and play the fifth starter because, I mean, that's a pretty loaded lineup. Now, a lot of times what happens, teams get this, you know, this big three, big four, and they don't have depth. And it hurt Golden State a couple of years ago. It hasn't exactly been the winning formula for the Brooklyn Nets. 
and uh, hasn't panned out for the Philadelphia 76ers yet either, getting, you know, three three stars or three big-time players and trying to blend them and, and have enough depth off your bench uh, that you can go on to win a championship. And I think that's one thing that Milwaukee has been pretty effective with is building a nucleus, but also continuing to have depth, and that's what Milwaukee did today. And that's really how the Pacers kind of got involved was that Milwaukee was making some moves and the Pacers ended up being a part of it as the Bucks saw the opportunity to snag Jay Crowder after he was shipped out of Phoenix in that Kevin Durant deal. And so uh, the Milwaukee Bucks pick up Jay Crowder. Now the Nets get a couple of second round picks. The Pacers ended up being third team in the deal to pick up some salary casualties. And uh, among those, George Hill and Serge Ibaka. Jordan, is it Noir, Noara? Noara. Noara. Uh, he is uh, he is coming to Indiana, plus three second-round picks. And that's one of those where it's like, if you'll take these salaries, we'll give you picks for each one. And so uh, the Pacers end up getting three more second-round picks. What years are those picks? Do you know? Did you happen to see what years those second-round picks are? I'm sure they're not all three 2023 second-round picks. But uh, George Hill, it is expected that he will suit up and be a pacer, at least at this point. Serge Ibaka, it seems unlikely to become a pacer, although that's still to be determined. There is a report out there that Serge Ibaka is going to be waived once the deal is completely finalized by the NBA office. But, uh, but you know, that was the position the pacers were in. They could stockpile picks by being the dumping ground for any salary casualties with all of the moves that were being made. And there were actually, I mean, in my mind, there were a lot of moves made. They weren't maybe blockbuster moves, although the Kyrie Irving and the uh, Kevin Durant, those probably considered blockbusters. But, um, but you know, you had moves like Thomas Bryant from the Los Angeles Lakers. He got moved. He's heading to the Nuggets, and uh, the Lakers get Davon Reed and three second-round picks. And, of course, we all know that the Lakers are short on draft picks. They've given up a lot of picks over the years, and so they're short primarily on first-round picks, but they'll take anything right now to try to uh, to get draft picks. And so Thomas Bryant off to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, what else do we have that's intriguing in today's draft news? Um Oh, the uh, Russell Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell, Mike Conley three-teamer, which was on, but then we weren't sure it was going to be finalized because Minnesota was hedging. Well, shortly after the show last night, guess what? It was finalized. Minnesota finally decided, yes, we'll go ahead and deliver on this. And so the Jazz get Russell Westbrook, Damian Jones, Juan Toscano-Anderson, the Lakers' 2027 first-round pick which, you know, the Lakers, I think, only have the 2027 and the 2029 to deal with. The Timberwolves pick up Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a 2024 second-round pick, a 2025 second-round pick, and a 2026 second-round pick, while the Lakers get D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, uh, trying to complement the roster around LeBron James. It also tells you that the Los Angeles Lakers were not satisfied at all with the roster they had built around LeBron because they've been making moves, trying to get guys and, and almost change over the roster. Um, Jakob Hurdle, and I only throw this trade in there because I like to say Jakob Hurdle, 
who's a former Utah Ute. He uh, He's going back to the Raptors. Uh, Ken Birch, a 2024 first-round pick, couple of second-round picks, goes to uh, the Spurs, and the Raptors get Jakob Pertl. You know, we were hoping that uh, OG Ananobi was going to become a Pacer, and the Pacers have, have kind of, it's been an odd day for the Pacers because they wave some players, they make some room on the roster, but they haven't really gone and gotten anybody, even though they can take on salary right now. The only salary they took on, I don't know what Ibaka was making, but I'm sure Serge Ibaka had a salary that had to be dumped off to a team who had salary cap space, and the Pacers took it on, but they're going to waive him. The uh, The Pacers also dumped Goga Bataze. He was waived. And Ter- Terry Taylor, who we've seen quite a bit in a Mad Ants uniform, he has been waived. And so I don't know how the numbers all add up when you look at the salary cap, but you think, okay, were the Pacers trying to make some room? Because remember, they did this when they thought they were getting DeAndre Ayton, and then that deal didn't happen. They went out and they started dumping a bunch of players to make room to get a deal to get uh, to get finished with DeAndre Ayton, and then Ayton decided to go back to the Phoenix Suns. Are the Pacers trying to do that here? Get a you know a a last hour deal done? I really was hopeful that we would get news today that OG Ananobi was going to become an Indiana Pacer. I think they're going to maybe pursue him in the off season. Might be the plan now, but uh, we'll see. So uh, it's not like he got moved anywhere else. So. so we're watching to see if there's any support of the report that Serge Ibaka is going to get dumped off the roster and waived once the trade gets finalized, and that George Hill is going to stay as a Pacer, of course, a former Pacer. It's like uh, it's like having 90s night. I mean, not quite that far back, but at least uh, it's been about a decade since the prime years of George Hill in Indiana. But uh, George Hill back in Indianapolis, his hometown, of course, played for IUPUI. He is back with the Pacers. What is Hill? He's got to be 34, 35 years old now, isn't he? I know Serge Ibaka is 33. George Hill is 36. He's 36. And he'll turn 37 in May. So he's almost 37 years old. I mean, this is almost a deal where it's like, okay, become a Pacer and then you can retire a Pacer. That's it's kind that's, of a he's kind of a fan crowd pick. Yeah, I mean, is he really going to sell tickets though? I mean, I don't think it makes anybody that excited about getting George Hill back in uniform that you're going to run out and buy Pacers tickets because you got the chance to see George Hill. So I don't. I mean, he's an IUPUI guy. Even though it's a hometown favorite, it's like, does he really have to be on the roster? Can't you just bring him back as an assistant coach or something? (laughs) Uh, He's not going to be much of a help. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. I guess the big question is going to be, how good does this make Phoenix? Is this one of those moves where, yes, there's only one basketball, but can these stars figure it out in a short period of time? And does Phoenix all of a sudden become the favorite over Golden State, Memphis, and Denver out in the West? Because I kind of feel like those are the three teams, Golden State, Phoenix, and Denver. Those were the three favorites, in my mind, in the West. Yeah, well, and then now you have to consider about the Dallas Mavericks with the addition of Kyrie Irving, I think, a little bit. I'm not, see, I'm not buying. I mean, where has Kyrie won? The only time Kyrie has won is when it was LeBron James's team, and Kyrie was a clear uh, Robin 
to that Batman. And, and everywhere else that Kyrie's been, the Robin, it just hasn't worked. Yeah, we'll have to see how he is able to play with uh, Luka Doncic being the main guy. Once he gets back in the lineup. Right, right. 20, what do you have? 24 last night, I believe, in his Mavericks debut for Kyrie Irving. But uh, you look at that Phoenix roster, where's the hole? Jay Crowder is going to be a guy that they will miss, but they will have to learn to overcome. In other words, what they're saying is we can score enough points to make up for the loss of the blue-collar work that Jay Crowder... Because I, I really kind of like and respect Jay Crowder as a player because he's a guy that will give you defense every single night. He'll pick up rebounds for you. He'll hit a three-point shot when given the opportunity. He's not a guy that's going to want the ball in his hands very often. I, I like the way Jay Crowder plays, but... You know, it, you certainly have to accept the loss of Jay Crowder when you've got an opportunity to pick up a Kevin Durant. And the Suns, I know, got their fan base. You want to talk about firing up a fan base? Oh, my. You know, our uh, our old producer, D.C. Hendricks, Phoenix Suns fan, said he couldn't sleep last night. Once he got the word, so excited. And he already wants to know how to order a Kevin Durant Phoenix Suns jersey. He wants one of the first. He's pumped. I don't it's blame him. Too bad that the guy's not doing sports radio anymore. He'd have a great day today. Yeah, he'd have a lot of fun talking you know, about Sean Payton becoming the coach of the Broncos. Oh, that's man. his football. That's the DC's football team. His uh, basketball team, the Phoenix Suns. All of a sudden, and and you know what was great is during the time that DC was a producer on this show, his team stunk. <laughs> I mean, Denver. Yeah. Was a dumpster fire. Couldn't get a quarterback right. Uh, you know the post uh, Peyton Manning years. Kind of what the Colts have been going through. And then um, the Suns weren't any good. He was a Seattle Mariners fan, and I think they had one of the worst seasons in Major League Baseball when he was the producer here. So he never had any bragging rights with his teams when he was a producer here on the Sports Rush. He still works for the company. He's up in South Bend running a couple of music stations or a music station. So... You know, we still st stay in touch, but, uh, yeah, he's pretty excited about what the Phoenix Suns have done. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Let's catch up. What are the latest headlines, Mr. Lundy? Well, we've kind of been going over them. Did we cover all the headlines already? We kind of did. But I have one for you. Just want to play the music and not worry about. Okay, give us the one you got. I have one for you. The San Diego Padres and you Darvish are in agreement on a new deal. It's for six years and one hundred and eight million dollars. An extension for you Darvish as a Padre. Yes, and the rest oh. of my the rest of my stuff was kind of focused on the trade deadline, but we've been kind of covering that for the whole start of the segment. So. Okay, so I took your stuff. It, it happens. You know, every once in a while, the uh, the host has to steal the thunder. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's right here on the sheet. Very first topic of the day. NBA trade deadline. Of course, we're going to talk about this the music. trades. Get, get, yeah. get this music out of yeah, here. Yeah, let's go ahead and wipe that out because your update was pretty sad today. It was terrible. Uh, Purdue hosting Iowa tonight. Of course, you can get all the play-by-play -play of Purdue and Iowa starting with the pregame show right after the sports rush. That's at 6 o'clock here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Coming up on Saturday, we will be in tow. We will be arriving in Marion to cover the high school girls basketball regional. And among the teams we've got Play-by-play -play coverage for it is the Snyder Lady Panthers. They'll take on Lafayette Harrison, and we'll get an update on the state of the Panthers because their coach, Reggie Tharp, 
20 and 4 in his first year. Uh, is going to join us when we return from the break. This is Kristen Airy from the Indiana Pacers on Fox Sports Indiana, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 7 o'clock this Saturday from Marion's Bill Green Arena. It is the girls for a regional with the Snyder Lady Panthers taking on Lafayette Harrison. We'll be there with the coverage. Michael McIntyre on the call here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Someone else that will be there is actually sitting on the Snyder bench, and he's joining us right now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. First-year coach Reggie Tharp. Reggie, congratulations on the sectional title. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. And, uh, of course, first year at Snyder, and you take over for a, a – a really outstanding coach, Akila Sims, had the program obviously trending in the right direction. You had to feel some pressure, but you also had some talent. But there were maybe, at the beginning of the season, I want to talk about the two and three start. Because I look at the schedule and you could say, yeah, we didn't we didn't concern ourselves with it because of the schedule we played. But that still doesn't replace that it was a two and three start. Was there ever any time where anyone doubted anyone else, whether it was the players doubting the coach, the coach doubting the players, anything else? Was there ever ever doubt or loss of confidence after those first five? Well, yeah, obviously after you lose, like, you know, you go you start the first five games and you start two and three, there was some concern. Um I think I preached in the locker room uh, the focus of staying together as a team. Uh, we knew the schedule we had uh, in the first five games, and we knew it was a tougher schedule. But the, the most important thing was team team unity, team continuity, and just trust in the process. Um, and I think that's really what it was. Like you're always going to have people doubting you, uh, your decisions, and, and and your coaching style. Especially me with being a first year coach. But I think the biggest thing was uh, the girls trusting the coaching staff and trusting the process as we went along. How is this team different from the one that was that played a year ago? How, how is your style or this personnel different? Um, I think last year, you know, obviously we were much, much more talented. I mean, when you lose to two of the caliber players that we lost in Craig and uh, as far as LeVette, you lose a lot of talent. This year, I think it's more of a workman-type attitude, like a uh, like a hard-working-type team. Like, we, we strive on um, playing together and, and defense as a team more than just one person per se. Uh so we, we tend to focus on uh, just the, the whole defensive side of the ball as a team defense. As you got After you got through that two and three start, uh, I look, and uh, not long after that, in fact, even before November was over, you had a tough one on the road against Fishers. Now, we're very familiar that Fishers is going to be taken on Homestead, the other regional at Marion this Saturday, and you beat Fishers 74-63. to What type of game was that, and what kind of opponent is Homestead going to face this Saturday? Well, I tell you, for us, that was the momentum uh, shift right there. Uh, we were confident going into the game that we were able to compete with them, but going there actually and beating them the way that we did at their place, uh, it, it kind of shifted the whole season and the girls built confidence. Uh, when you're looking at Fishers, you're just looking at a tough, hard-nosed team. It's kind of us looking like looking ourselves in the mirror. Uh, they pick you up full court. They pressure you. Uh, the two twins that they have are just phenomenal players. Obviously, they're going on to play at Ball State. So you you definitely got to match their intensity and toughness anytime that you're playing them. 
Reggie Tharp Snyder, Panthers coach, uh, Lady Panthers coach, joining us here on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Let's talk about this sectional because most of the uh, most of the so-called experts thought it was going to come down to you and Northrop, and then Northrop gets knocked off. How did that change your perspective or perspective on this uh, sectional? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, we you, when you look at it and you look at the way uh, Northrop handled Carroll in the first game, you kind of assume that it would it would it would possibly be us and Northrop um, and the girls. You know, they were looking forward to that matchup because you know, obviously, we lost to them the first time that we played against them. But it's one of those things where you have to shift gears and you give all the credit in the world to uh, Carroll and Coach Redding over there because they came in with a great game plan and they executed it. Uh, as far as on our end, um, we switched. It was like an emotional roller coaster because you know everyone's looking forward to the Snyder and Northrop rematch, and now you know you got to go face a tough, well coached Carroll team. So it was one of those things where I had to, to talk to the girls because they were eager to compete against Northrop, but they understood the challenge at hand with Carroll when you know you looked at them and, and they handed handled Northrop and beat them by twenty. So obviously it was a you know a change in gears. But, you know, I think the girls responded well, uh, especially when us not having uh, our center, Tia Fennessy. Um, I think everybody just stepped up and, and did their part uh, for us to get that victory. Well, another part of that it had to make it maybe more difficult was that going into the sectional, you had just beaten Carroll by 15 points. So, you know, I, I would imagine as a coach that concerned you because you realized what a challenge it was going to be the way Carroll was playing during the sectional. And it's hard to imagine a week later they could make a 15 points, but they were a dangerous club. Well, I'm telling you, but I got, you can ask my wife this, I got zero sleep because <laughs> I, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at them, okay, we played them pretty tough at home, but then you look at the way they played against Northrop, and I told my girls, you know, that whole entire week, it's always tough beating a team twice, um, especially in tournament play. Um, they know you, they scout you, um, and they try, you know, they made corrections from the first game, so um, I definitely was uneasy about it, and then, you know, on the bus ride there, we find out that our, our you know our center wasn't going to be able to play so you know you gotta you gotta make adjustments and you you tell people that they got to step up and and you know they did how is your health heading into the regional saturday uh, i think we're good you know um tia practiced uh both days this week um it's feeling good um nene was a little bit banged up and she's feeling good so i mean going into the uh, regionals i think we're set to go with our original starting five what's more important for your basketball team how you shoot or how you defend with us is we, we predicate everything on defense you know shooting is a, a plus for us because we feel like anything we get as far as shooting-wise, you know, it's a bonus. But we predicate our, our whole entire uh, game plan around defense, defensive pressure. And then that, you know, that translates into, you know, breakouts and transition layups and stuff like that. So um, our primary focus every time that we play is on defense. What are your biggest concerns after watching a video on Harrison? What are you seeing? Their size. I mean, when you look at them, they have a center that's six one. Uh, they're top player Riley, uh, she's like 5'11", um, then they have another six foot. So our main focus this week was boxing out, um, getting stops on the defensive end, and then making sure that we contain their best player. Best of luck to you this weekend, Reggie. We'll be there to call the action and uh, hope to talk to you again about semi-state next week. 
I appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. Yep, that is Reggie Tharp joining us. You know, uh, Reggie, uh, former local product. You know where he went to school. Concordia. Oh, so he's one of uh, one of your gang. One of the one of the few that have followed in. You know, I, I'm sure the whole reason he went to Concordia was because because he knew about the legendary the legend Brett Rump. Yeah, of course. Hey, the Pacers will waive center Serge Ibaka, allowing the veteran big man to hit the open market. Okay, so there it is officially now, and that is reported by Shams got him with that one. Oh, okay, Sham Sharania, Sham Sharania, Sharania Sharania. Does anybody actually know how to say his name? I think he does. You know, Caleb, when he was producing in here, he had a very definitive pronunciation for Sham Sharania. What was it? I don't, I don't remember. That's <laughs> He always corrected me if I got it wrong and, and told me ahead of time, hey, if you're going to mention his name, here's how you say it. I, I don't remember exactly because there's so many different ways to say. I go with Shams. Shams, Shams. Sharania, he uh, well, he, he, if it's coming from him, it's it's a done deal. That Avaka, the the deal was that the Pacers would pick him up, take on his salary, then waive him, and, and but the Pacers still have some open cap space, right? I mean, I, I don't know the numbers on like Hill and Nawab, Nawaba. I think they had to take on four million for uh, Nawara. Short. What is his name? Nawara. Nawara. I never heard of him. Have you heard of him? You're an NBA guy. I've heard of him just because of, of a uh, college basketball guy. He had some time with the Bucks uh, last season. Okay, so he's got almost a household name, at least in your household. But um, I don't know what numbers are attached to those guys. But I would think the Pacers would have had room. And at this point, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen. We're going to talk to Scott Agnes about all of it coming up. At 520. Coming up next, we're going to talk all things Indiana sports with Greg Rakestraw. Always fun because, you know, we can get Rake's take on just about anything. Maybe we'll ask him about what he thinks about the Kevin Durant deal because he'll have an opinion on it. We can count on him. And he comes up next here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. One day on the road yesterday, got a chance to hang out at Christopher James Menswear. We enjoyed our time there. We enjoyed a chance to meet some of the fans of the show that came out, said hello. And we, of course, gave away some tickets in the process. That uh, that super sale that they've got going with up to 75% off. Yes, after the show, I did stick around and I left with a Christopher James Menswear bag Got some shoe swag is what I got. Yeah. And uh, and these are $375 shoes for less than 100 bucks. Pretty good deal. Hey, but one thing is we did have some tickets that Coach Kaufman brought us for Mastodon's basketball this weekend. And uh, still got them. Uh, some were given away, but he brought more than we had a chance to give away in the last 35, 40 minutes of the show. So uh, here's how we'll give these away. It, it's my... Trivia question for today. See if anybody can text in the right answer. The text line 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Name a player that was drafted by a team that did not trade him, that did not waive him, but before he played a single game for that city, Ended up playing in another city. 
Name the player. He was drafted. He was never waived, never became a free agent, was never traded. And yet, that season played his first NBA game in a different city. Who was it? If you can get it, text it to us at 46862-46862, and we'll randomly pick one of the winners, or the winner, we'll see how many we get, and we'll give away these tickets. They're three lower-level tickets to see the Mastodons take on Youngstown State at the Coliseum coming up tomorrow night. And for those of you that don't know, Youngstown State Right now, the highest-ranked team, according to NCAA net rankings in the Horizon League. They are also the first-place team in the Horizon League. Mastodons beat Youngstown State at Youngstown back on December 31st. And Youngstown State, one of the highest-scoring teams in the country, averaging around 84 points a game. This should be a heck of a showdown tomorrow night at the Coliseum. And you can get three lower-level tickets if you know the answer to that question. 46862. All right, let's get to the phone line. We've got a guest on hold waiting for us. And so let's immediately jump over and talk to ISC Sports Network and uh, IHSA Champions Network and Colts Radio Network voice, Greg Rakestraw, joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Afternoon, Rake. Afternoon, my friend. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, Mastodons and Youngstown State, you know, the Dons have to go and, and flip that switch like they did a year ago because they've been very inconsistent and uh, nothing inconsistent about this Youngstown State team, man. They just score. And they have been the best story in the league. And I know that Milwaukee's had a great turnaround. But, you know, Youngstown is one of the teams that, is projected when you get an automatic qualifying conference like we have in the Horizon League, you start looking for good stories. And as a program, it has never played in a Division One men's tournament. Obviously, Purdue-Fort Wayne is in the same boat, but Youngstown's been playing at this level just a little bit longer. They can be one of the cool stories uh, of the month of March if they can make that first NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, they, they have been the team to watch for sure so far in Horizon League play. Of course, Milwaukee has been the big story this week in the Horizon League after a team that you saw fall to IUPUI, giving the Jaguars their first Horizon League victory. Green Bay, they go on the road two days later and knock off a league co-leader in Milwaukee. Pretty amazing. That is the jaw-dropping story of the year um, because in watching Green Bay on Saturday, it reminded me so much of watching IUPUI last year where you saw a couple of good pieces, but nothing that would indicate they had anything close to a win left on their schedule. They had not just not won a game since December the 10th. They had not been within a team by single digits at the end of a game for a month. Uh, and, and IUPUI, frankly, did not play exceedingly well in that game. They shot the ball well, at least from two-point range. They didn't do it well from three-point range, uh, which has been kind of a, a, an issue for IUPUI all year. But IUPUI going into that game, you know, had been losing close games, including at your guys' place a couple of weeks ago. There was nothing that would indicate that Green Bay was going to be competitive in that game. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was not overly impressed by Milwaukee when I had seen them play the, the couple of days before on that Thursday afternoon 
it was an odd start time. Their best player got into foul trouble, and so maybe that was part of it. But I'm like, hey, Milwaukee's better, but they're not great. Um, but the fact that Green Bay did that against anybody, let alone a team that had picked up 16 wins on the air to that point, floored me from what I saw from the Phoenix and how bad they were two days previously. Well, we're sticking with college basketball. A couple quick questions about the Hoosiers, the Boilermakers, and uh, it's been an impressive week for the Indiana Hoosiers with uh, wins over Purdue and then following it up with win over Rutgers. And I know this may sound like a ridiculous question, but I do want to ask your opinion. Which win was more impressive or more important for the Hoosiers, beating Purdue or following it up and beating Rutgers? Beating Purdue, uh, because, again, of the caliber of victory it was to ignite the fan base, but also, you know, you have now a win against the clear number one seed in the country in terms of Purdue. Uh, If they had followed up with a loss to Rutgers, it would have been disappointing. But, again, Rutgers isn't exactly chump change. Rutgers is an NCAA tournament team as well, who is the other team that has a victory over Purdue this year. So even if Indiana had lost that game, they still would have had the resume line that said, beat a team that is clearly a number one seed, not to mention handing a rare loss this year to your number one rival. So it's great that Mike Woodson's team backed it up by beating Rutgers on Tuesday. It still would have been a great three-day stretch if Indiana had beaten Purdue and then lost at home to Rutgers the following game. Greg Regstraw joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, and we've got to talk what's happening with the Colts. Uh, Of course, it usually goes pretty quiet as you build up to the Super Bowl, Uh, but it seems like a lot of focus is starting to zero in on maybe just a couple of guys with uh, Steichen and Biennemi being widely talked about. Where do you think this is pointing, and does it mean anything that the Colts refused other teams' request to interview Gus Bradley? Um, I mean, clearly you would think they'd like to keep Gus on board, but I also think that decision should be made by whomever the head coach is going to be. And so I'm going to kind of put the Gus Bradley stuff to the side because I think once you pair the head coach, then we can have the conversation about the D.C. Um, but I certainly hope it's Steichen um, because, frankly, that's the explanation that makes the most sense as to why this has taken so long. If you go back to the last time the Colts had a head coach search, uh, it was 2018, and it was the Tuesday after the Super Bowl where the news broke that McDaniels was not going to be the guy in Indianapolis. And it was then the following Wednesday that Chris Ballard had the defiant press conference where at the end of the day he said the rivalry is back on. Um, I'm not sure the rivalry is back on, uh, by the way, five years later. But that's a conversation probably, you know, for, for a different show. Um, so, again, I, I'm hoping it's Steichen. Um, and, and, I, and I have wanted them to pair a young quarterback drafted high in this draft with a young, sharp offensive mind, which Steichen seemingly is. So, again, I, I think you'll start to see news percolate Monday or Tuesday if that's the direction they are wanting to go. And then, again, to me, it should be up to, you know, whomever the new head coach is, the direction you are going to go in terms of defense coordinator. If he wants to keep Gus Bradley, great. I thought Gus Bradley's team played pretty well. I think most of those guys are back next year, so it makes the most sense. And, frankly, the focus needs to be on young quarterback, repairing the offensive line, getting that quarterback more dynamic weapons at wide receiver. 
largely defensively, you'll have pretty much the pieces intact that you had a year ago. Um, but but I'll let whomever the new head coach is going to be. Hopefully we'll know that person by this time next week. I'll let that guy determine who the defensive coordinator is going to be. We really don't have a lot of information about this list being dwindled down or if there are finalists. Do you feel like at this point the Colts have maybe made their decision and just have to wait until the Super Bowl is over to announce it? Do, how How confident are you that the Colts are close? I think the Colts are close, and again, you frankly have to be. Um, and part of it was the was the timeline given by Chris Ballard the week after the season ended when he said, hey, this might take till mid-February. Well, I'm pretty sure next Tuesday is about as mid-February <laughs> as you can get. Um, and knowing that the combine rolls right here in a couple of weeks, you have to have the coaching staff in place so you know you know, from a philosophy standpoint, if there are changes that you need to be made, that need to be made from a personnel standpoint, that then you have all your ducks in a row from a scouting department to be talking, interviewing, and looking at the players that you think are going to fit your system going forward. So, um, there hasn't been that pressing nature until the next league event that follows the Super Bowl. So, that's why, again, I think early next week this is going to pop one way or the other. Aren't uh, during the the interview process? Isn't it pretty common that one of the questions is going to be for the prospective head coach to have a list of coordinators or some coaches that he is planning on bringing on staff? Because I'm kind of with you, Greg. I feel this is pretty close. If they haven't picked the guy, they've got it down to two or three guys. And I kind of feel like that's why the Colts are trying to hold on to Bradley, because maybe it's already been discussed that Steichen wants Bradley to stay on staff. Doesn't that make sense? That is certainly possible. And if I am hopeful that it's Shane Steichen um, or Eric Bieniemy, frankly, I'd probably lean more towards Steichen. Um, I have told people this for the last few days, it's because it makes the most sense. In other words, if it was going to be somebody that's not coaching the Super Bowl as your next head coach, that guy is probably already on your payroll. That guy is here putting his staff together and getting ready for the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. Because that hasn't happened yet, it tells you that person is probably otherwise busy at this point and getting ready for the upcoming game. So the same thing can hold true in terms of potentially putting a staff together or having conversations about coaches you'd like to retain, coaches that you don't mind seeing them walk. And again, another kind of reading of the tea leaves that I can give you is Scotty Montgomery leaving this week, who was the running backs coach, to go be the assistant head coach and hold the same position for Dan Campbell in Detroit. Scotty was a guy that was barely highly thought of. So in theory, if you're bringing in an offensive-minded coach, He's probably going to bring in his own staff, and hence there was not going to be a need for Scott to stay as a running backs coach. If you were going to be bringing in a defensive-minded coach, then there's a better chance that Scotty stays and even gets promoted to being the offensive coordinator. So just some things to file away as the dominoes appear to be lining up for this news to break at some point in the next four or five days. Speaking of the Super Bowl taking place out in Phoenix this weekend, uh, do you have a team you like, Eagles or Chiefs? The officials, I honestly don't care uh, to be to be blunt about it. I would probably lean, I wouldn't say I like them. I don't I don't have a disdain for either team. I'm a big Nick Sirianni fan. I love his time here in Indianapolis. I'm, I'm happy that Zach Pascal is getting to experience this as being a part of the Philadelphia Eagles. I would probably lean towards 
Um, I'll probably lean towards the Eagles winning just because I think they're overall a better team. Obviously, it would not stun me if the Chiefs win because of how good Patrick Mahomes is. But, Brad, I'm probably rooting for the commercials and the snack dip uh, when it comes to Sunday's big game. Isn't it kind of interesting that when you look at this, the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl actually were two very competitive games. In fact, the Colts beat the Chiefs and uh, and had a nail-biter against Philadelphia. The two games were actually very similar games that were defensive battles that came down to a final possession. What it tells you is this, is that even when you're bad in the National Football League, which make no mistake about it, the Colts were bad, and that's being kind, in 2022, you're still not far away from being one of the best teams in the National Football League. It is, it is the difference of a position or two. It's not usually a complete overhaul. you got to get the quarterback position right. you got to get the offensive line position right. You have to, you have to give the, that new quarterback more dynamic weaponry at the wide receiver position. But I do think, and I'm not saying the Colts are going to rattle off 12, 13 wins next year, no. But I also don't think this is a, this is not a Houston Texans-like two- or three-year period of burning it to the ground to then become a better football team. I don't think that's what this is. I think this is a one- or two-year process. I don't think it's crazy to think this Colts team maybe is around a 500 team this coming year if you get the quarterback position right and then can win big after that because I really don't think you're all that far away. What do you have on the uh, agenda for Saturday? Have you got uh, high school girls regional action? I get to go be a fan. Uh, so just kind of the way that the games worked out, most of the larger schools in the Indianapolis area are playing at one and four. Uh, we don't have a television window on our television partner, MyNDY. We're going to do a couple of smaller games. Uh, we're going to do the Cascade Chittard game from Greencastle in 3A. We're going to do the Eminence, great story. Eminence is one of the smallest public high schools in the state. Their girls won a sectional for the first time in 24 years. They're going to play Bloomfield. Uh, over in uh, southwestern Shelbyville. We had other crews doing that. Me and my mother, who is belovedly known as Ma Straw when it comes to all things public references, <laughs> our hometown of Lanesville is number one in 1A in the girls. They have two losses this year, both the teams that are ranked in 3A. We're going to go drive down to West Washington and watch them play in the regional, and hopefully I may get them at my semi-state, my semi-state site next week and potentially I might have them on television for the state finals in two weeks. So I'm going to get to go be a fan on Saturday night and uh, make a little two-hour road trip south and still catch a lot of folks I don't get to see on a regular basis anymore. So looking forward to taking a night off and still going to a ball game coming up in a couple of nights. And I'm sure there are a lot of Lanesville fans that are excited about seeing Greg Regstraw in the house. By the I mean, way, I, I probably owe them money or something, too. <laughs> so I'm sure that's why they're excited about what, it. Uh, what is the schedule? Girls semi-state draw. Of course, we're still getting used to this new sure. format. But what's the schedule going to be on Sunday? So we'll be doing the draw show at 3 o'clock, uh, and the draw will take place live or on the air. At, it's not a radio show. Uh, I'm frankly hoping it's going to be made available to the radio network um, as of next year for this, but it's going to be on IHSATV.org. And literally we will draw the 1A North, the 1A South, and then rinse, repeat, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, and so, you know, I will be finding out literally at the same time that Paul Knighting announces it. The one thing that I will have advanced knowledge of when I get there to, to produce the show will be what regionals are going where. So, in other words, um, you know, 4A will go to Logansport. 3A goes to Huntington North. 
that will announce during the course of the show. Um, but in terms of the draw, the draw will take place during the show as to what regional champions are playing each other, then the right to move on to the uh, state finals after a couple of wins next Saturday. Sounds great. Greg, we always appreciate you jumping on. Enjoy the weekend at Lanesville, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, buddy. Yep, that is Greg Regstraw joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. We'll take a timeout. Hour number two is going to be packed. We've got not only Eric Dute, Dutkevich, but we'll also talk to Scott Agnes about everything happening in the NBA with the trade deadline upon us and what the Pacers have done because the Pacers have made some moves today. Actually, more people, more players have been waived by the Pacers than maybe picked up by deals. But we'll talk about it all. Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files will be joining us. Coming up at about 520, you're listening to a Thursday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.